Right, hello and welcome to the third Fence End podcast. We're here at the Boundary House in Abingdon again and we're talking about lots of exciting things. We have our swear jar in the middle, which is uh, a very small glass this week, so we're being very optimistic, despite recent refereeing performances. Um, so, uh, the swear jar, just for anyone who hasn't listened before, uh, it's a pound in a jar for any swearing. That's doubled for a C-bomb or uh, the name of the place that's just down the other end of the A420. And, uh, yep, my name's Liam, and we'll just quickly go around the table and say who's here. I'm Matt. Um, I missed the last game, which is why we didn't lose. Oh, <laughs> brilliant. Optimist. Uh, Joe Nichols went to both games. Uh, disappointed. Go. Yeah, Kath uh, went to both games, also disappointed. Yeah, Fraser, um, what they said. <laughs> yeah, Liam too. Um, yeah, wasn't happy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Paul, Liam one's brother. Um, yeah, by both games, uh, this is recorded on the Tuesday after the Cambridge games they're referring to. Stevenage and Cambridge. We will look back over the last few games, but also uh, just to let you know, in the Boundary House there is uh, the England match going to be kicking off in about 10 minutes, so there might be some noise in the background for that. Apologies for that. Um, well done right. from us. Yes, great planning, well done. Uh, and, and I said I'd do a shout out to Mike who's serving behind the bar, so hello Mike. If you do come to the Boundary House, do come here and do rate them highly on TripAdvisor. <laughs> Let's look at not just those last two games. Let's start with Orient. <laughs> and let's move on to Dagenham. <laughs> so yeah, um, Orient wasn't wasn't fantastic. Obviously, losing it in the way we did in the last uh, couple of minutes. Uh, I was up in the restaurant afterwards seeing Shane Dunkley's interview. Was anyone else up there or catch any words yes. with him? Yes. The most depressing thing I've ever heard. <laughs> I know. I like Shane Dunkley. I think he's, uh, you know, it's hard for these players when they've got to come up and talk about a game like that when they're obviously disappointed when they've got targets to hit, you know, win bonuses to win and all that kind of stuff and then they don't get it. But yeah, you can see on a... When, when people like Shay talk, you know, they're just as disappointed as we are, and it, it, it does hurt when we do, when we don't when we don't win and when we struggle like, like we have done, especially at home. But uh, yeah, disappointing. Yeah, very much so. Uh, who was at the game, everyone? Yeah. yeah. And have we put it out of our mind? Uh, uh, yeah, yes. I think Dagenham and Barnet helped. Yes, and Shay was man of match as well for Dagenham, and it was amazing to see someone who. In in his Orient interview was very much yeah we're really disappointed and and, and this quiet that that is anyone listening here that is as it was you couldn't hear yeah. what he was saying you could just tell yeah. he was down and then a couple of days later for him to be like yeah you know it's it's fantastic <laughs> news we, we all have great fun and and everything's fine um, that's life as an Oxford fan though isn't it you're <laughs> up one minute and down yeah. next yeah never totally. very much so you you're up when you uh, hear the Bristol lost but then you had to sit through the Cambridge game. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so Dagenham 4-0 as expected? Uh, yeah, I didn't I expect them to be as bad. I Do thought they yeah, put up they more of a fight. And I'd say the same about when we played York as well. I thought there would be, once we got a couple, I didn't think that they would disintegrate quite the way they yeah. did. I think you could tell Dagenham were in trouble because they they probably were one of the worst teams I've ever played at the stadium. It was it was quite embarrassing, you know, how easy it was for us. Yeah. But 
it was our game in hand. You know, we it was brought forward, so it was it was important that we won, especially with our home form. So does that include uh, the first round of the paint trophy opponents? As well, they, they were pretty round, awesome. We got a bye for the first. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. We, we should have had, basically had a bye for the second as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, we pretty much did, but we got a day out as well. So that was um, And then on to Barnet. I don't know about anyone else, but I, as a, as a, I would say relatively optimistic fan, had resigned myself to being happy with a point. Yeah. I think we're so good away from home. I think that kind of gives you confidence. Is that you know a game like Barnet, even though I mean when they're they're so good at home and they've beaten a lot of good sides, so you think right, this is going to be a massive challenge for us today. And when it was nil nil at half time, the first half was a little bit disappointing. Mm-hmm. You think you know is this going to be another one? But the way we came out second half, it just shows that we are the second best team in the league. That's why we are where we are. You know we can kill teams off and play very very well. So. And it was my birthday, and I was extremely drunk, so I don't really remember too much about it. But, uh, for anyone yeah. listening, we will be giving Joe birthday beats after the, uh, <laughs> well, after the recording. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What age does that stop? Because I haven't had bumps in a year. As soon as you realise what, we can get away with punching someone okay. since their birthday. <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's going to be happening. Um, any standout, standout goals from those two games? Seven goals? There must have been something that... Obviously, Ruth's hat-trick. Yeah. Um, Hilton's... Yeah, Hilton's, Hilton's goal against Dagenham. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. that was, was, uh, that was very fantastic. Un Hilton like. It was much more like a roof goal, and roofs were a bit more scrappy. But, um, yeah. No, I liked it. Uh, I think when, when the second went in, and there was like a big relief because you had that. Yeah. It was the same against York as well when, the, when Dunkley's header went in, and everybody kind of had this, oh, okay, thank yeah. God for that. Yeah, we've um, seen it too many but times. My favourite part was. Roof just looked at the crowd and patted his chest and was like, I've got this. I don't know what you're all worried about. I've got this. <laughs> and that was kind of like a, oh yeah, maybe they have it more than we do. And uh, hasn't scored since. So. Yeah. <laughs> he used them all up. Yeah. Um, and then obviously um, into Barnet, Callum scored two. Good performance. He had to do that before going off to international duty to hope to get into the squad next week. There is a reason we're not mentioning next week that much, which uh, I'll, I'll talk about in a bit. But yeah, Callum played fantastically. It's his first brace of his career as well. I think the first time he scored two goals. So I think a lot of people, are, yeah, a lot of people are wondering where, when they'll see Callum's potential, but. I think he's growing and growing all the time. He's looking this season at times he's looking more confident. He's been in and out the side, but whenever he plays, and there's certain games like you know, you look at Cambridge, you look at other other games where you think we could have used his width, could have used his skill. Uh, so it's nice to see a, a young a young player, a young local player, come in and do so well. But yeah, scored two against Barnet in such a big game was uh, was great. Giving him a kind of a run in the side has been, I think, a big. It's made a big difference for him because he seems to have kind of really grown into it. He's, he's kind of um, he's performing a lot better. Like just, you know, what I mean, every week, every game, you can see he's developing as a player. Yeah. And, and just giving him that little run of, of things, he's found a groove, I think, hasn't yeah, he? Yeah, I was quite critical of him, sort of a few weeks ago about his end product I thought there was a few times where he beat the man and then rather than whip a ball in he either when somebody's running near post crossed it far post or just picked the wrong choice or he'd turn back again and take on the man again when he'd already beaten him once but I thought that Barnet game he really clicked that second goal I thought (laughs) 
I thought he'd backed it up. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He did make the finish yeah. harder than it needed to be. But How many times does Hiltz do that, where you think, oh, he's lost the ball, and then he's still got it, he's yeah. still going, and it's just like, oh, what is... How do you do that? <laughs> Ready to be taken down by a Cambridge player. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He is like a bit of a magician like that. He looks so tired and so, like, you know, like he's out of it, and then he's just, all of a sudden he's, like, running for another 100 yards. It's just amazing like that. He's well, really good. I think Notts County was was up there with a fantastic like moment that just summed him up where it's like should I run through this defence now I'll run round him and once I scored even though we're all knackered I'm going to run and jump into the crowd <laughs> get yeah. myself booked if he knows how to celebrate a goal doesn't he do you see oh, a yeah. celebration against Stevenage have uh, all the players ran over he took the camera yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. steals the camera brilliant just uh, right, so we've we've been happy, and then and then Matt mentioned Stevenage, so let's move on to that and so, uh, start with the obvious talking point. Yeah, was it a red card? <laughs> uh, I, I don't think that's a question. It is a question. Well, I think that, it is. Because one footed winning the ball, there's no way it is. There's and some people who are adamant it's a red card. There's some people who are adamant it wasn't a red card. It was a physical challenge. It was probably a little bit stupid. But he, he went in hard, and I think everyone, when he went in, went, Phew, can't believe he's done that. But he got the ball, it was one-footed, and two minutes before, Pritchard had gone in two-footed, and not even a free kick was given. And then... The ref couldn't like, see it as well. There was a player in the way. If you look at the freeze, there is a player in between him and the challenge. He's and, given it for the way he's, he's gone in, not it. for the impact. But then, yeah. For the Stevenage players' reaction. I, I, I'm not in any way. perfectly, the Stevenage players. It was very Stevenage of them, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I'm not in any way saying that the, the ref was anti-Oxford or anything like that because Macca should have been sent off as well. But the inconsistency of... Lundstrom being sent off controversially and two stonewall red cards in that game that weren't given. I d that, there is no logic in that whatsoever. And a Stevenage boss who goes, oh yeah, we're going to Oxford to win in the press. And then the last five minutes think, they're in the corner. I think for me, like the way that one of their players, yeah, the corner thing, it's one all against ten men for you know 75 minutes. And then the way one of their players, when the whistle went, celebrated as if they'd won promotion. It was like, what is wrong with you? So yeah. I think we can all be quite frustrated and disappointed with, with the way Stephen has played, but not really surprised because since Wesley and his chums have turned up, you know, Stephen with their drinks breaks, Stephen oh, yeah. have always been that, you know, nasty, horrible team. And fair play to them, you know, they seem to, you know, they seem to get these draws and these, you know, these these wins that they that they are that they get because they play a certain way, but you know, what what do you expect from us? Seventy five minutes against ten men, it was tough for us as well, so mm -hmm. Oh, and also the there was there was a tackle from behind on roof that I feel should have been punished just before the goal. Immediate build up yeah. to their goal, but, but everyone stopped because they expected the free kick, and and that that's what kind of allowed them to break so quickly. But I've thought. got to yeah, I, like I completely agree. But a team has to be professional enough to play to yeah. the whistle, and yeah. and that was the probably the one time since Wright went out injured and Dunkley's been in. I felt Dunkley. Uh, I I personally blame Dunkley for that goal. I Sorry, Shay. I like you a lot. It's also worth yeah. mentioning that the work for our goal was superb. It was a very well worked goal. Oh, yeah. The work from Ruth, you know, and the, the finish and so It was a great ball yeah. for Ruth as well. Yeah, yeah, it was superb. Did we think he Just had it and thought, I'd better pick out Sirks? Where's Sirks? I've screwed up his penalty a bit. People are making too much of that whole penalty argument thing. What exactly went on? Well, Ruth went to take it. Ruth picked it up and Sirks went and snatched it off him. And then, the they had a bit of, yeah. Yeah. and then they had a bit of push and shove. But, but it's no longer. 
like you want players who care that want to do it and I think yeah. it's like I've seen before people have said that there have been times that Shea's turned around and given Bushell a, a bollocking <laughs> yeah, prepared because I was going to use the word um, but, and people have made a big thing of that because he's turned around and balled him out and it's like but no that's what footballers do there's a very much a thing of what happens on the pitch stays on the pitch and I've played football for 18 years and I've screamed at some of my best friends when we're on the pitch and they've screamed back at me and then you go off the pitch and you go and have a pint and you say you were a bit of a dick out there weren't you and you go yeah I was sorry about well, that man that, yeah that's, yeah, that's, sorry, that's uh, another one <laughs> but having um, a small insight like I do into the, into the club these, these players they get on more than I've ever known anyone to get on they care together this is not you know what that might happen on the pitch and people like Cass says you know it's that it does stay on the pitch. Uh, Circle of Roots are 100% supportive of each other. They want to get promotion. They want to do everything. But and you yeah. can tell from the way they celebrated together. Yeah, of course. Was, that um, was cool. Uh, well. Sorry about that, mate. Yeah. Earlier. Uh, they, both, they both want to score. They both want to help the team. And you know, and there's there's no problem whatsoever. I think people who make it a problem have got other agendas. One thing I will say is that I thought the atmosphere before the goal was absolutely I think amazing. the fans got it. The fans um, scored that yeah, goal. When you sit, when you saw, I mean, East Ham was singing, but the whole of the South Stand lower up part, the whole of the north sun every, virtually every single person in that ground was clapping along to that song and there was a buzz around that ground and it, it, it lifted, for me it lifted the players and then we go and score and it was no coincidence so. That whole game actually, the atmosphere felt quite different because even at one all and everyone's really disappointed, it was like there was a, a click that they realised despite the, the result, how much effort the players put yeah. in and to have Michael Appleton's yellow army echoing around as the players dragged themselves off because yeah. they were so gutted with the result. Yeah. And was, exhausted. And exhausted, yeah. yeah. was not something we see that often with a poor result at home. I but think going down to 10 men so early kind of creates a bit of a back to the wall mentality yeah. and, and, you know, everyone has, well, everyone has to work that much harder, but the fans kind of give you, you cut you a bit more slack, don't you, when you're down to 10 yeah. men. And, and, and how much justice as well. How much does that playing for ten men, or playing with ten men for eighty minutes? How how much does that impact yesterday's game? I think I think it impacted the team selection. I don't think if we played for that long, seventy five for seventy five minutes with ten, uh, Hilton would have been on the bench. I do think that was the reason because he runs his himself into the ground anyway, um, and I think there's certain players that that work incredibly hard and will have worked harder with the 10 men and that will have played on Appleton's mind that you don't want him to burn out not just because next week's Wembley but because there's six really big games left mm -hmm. so, um, so we've touched upon yesterday it was a bit of a nothing game for everyone who wasn't there um, and in fact the people who were there and, and fell asleep but it, it was a nothing game the first half was awful um, I think the, the main talking points, really, are a couple of injuries, um, scars and mullings. Yeah. yeah. How how do we feel about that? I think when you when you look at, I thought Long did very well when he came up to say that. So I actually thought when Mullins went off, it actually changed the game in our favour because he's more of a traditional fullback and he was prepared to go forward, whereas when Mullins. Whenever the ball bounced, Mullins was thinking as a defender and getting ready to defend when the 
attacking play got it whereas Long was looking to get on the front foot yeah I agree I mentioned to Liam as well that um, Mullins defended like a centre half does which is I'm last man I can't risk missing the ball so if it's a 50-50 a centre half steps off whereas if it's a 50-50 somebody like Kenny will say I'm going to win this 50-50 and go in and that did. There was a couple of times where he let the player have the ball, yeah. where maybe a fullback, somebody who's naturally a fullback, wouldn't have because they know they've got centre half cover. And if if Scars is is out for a little while, Jordan Evans, do we feel comfortable there? He'll make us more attacking, I think. He's, Definitely. Uh, he very much likes going forward, and he's got a great left foot. And you think from here? Yeah, that's something. If anyone hasn't listened that's before, any time we mention Jordan Evans, we've got to say he's got a great yeah, left foot. That's not a cliche. That's a fact. <laughs> so, uh, I think. I think his point of view. You know, he's not playing very often, and the, and the way that he's possibly now going to be left back at Wembley must be a massive moment for him. Uh, be nice you know, if he could score another in. The Johnson's paint yeah, yeah, like that was did. Heck of a yeah, goal. exactly. So, I mean, or in any game, in every game. But even you know, <laughs> I think we're quite fortunate the fact that we've got someone like Jordan Evans to come in. He's he's a, he's a high rated, highly rated left back, and I think he'll go quite far in the game. So, it's a massive opportunity for him. And sometimes at Wembley, those are the players that kind of come out on top where they weren't necessarily meant to be playing, but they get the opportunity and they and they shine. So, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm fighting. It'd be nice for Scars to play. Obviously, he's, he's solid and he's a He's a seven every week, as we know. But uh, yeah, I think I think Jordan Evans will be fine. I think the whole defence will be fine. In fact, so I was going to say that I think other than Barnsley, we should be on top in the six remaining games. So having Evans come in, who's much more attacking than Scars, isn't necessarily a negative that it could have been if we'd had, you know. I can't think of anybody in the top half of the table now. Northampton or Orion or those Portsmouth. sorts of teams. Yeah. Right. yeah, it would have been a, a much bigger blow. Whereas actually, he might help get us on the front foot playing against teams where we want somebody overlapping to put a bit more pressure on. So it could could work out in our favour. Well, I certainly hope we're on kind of the front foot in these games because I wouldn't, you know, it's it's, it's a very young back line. If if, if we're without Mullins and Scars, it's, it's all of a sudden it's kind of got right. Obviously. <laughs> An experienced defender, but the rest are all you know, teenagers. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that is, think, a, is potentially. I think, you know, you, you, someone like Jordan coming in, you know, he has an amazing game at Wembley, and then he then has to play six games in the league, whatever. That will give him the, the push and the, and the motivation he needs. So, you know, I think we're, we're lucky to have the backup that we've got. I think a lot of clubs will suffer uh, without the backup. That we've got, and uh, yeah, I'm pretty confident that come, you know, Sunday come, whenever come, league games, whenever we'll be really fine. Right, so what else has changed since last time? We've got wearing till the end of the season. Before I move on, I'd like to put something forward to the club, um, which is because he's quite tall and gangly, we should change the kit sizes so that we've got instead of small, medium, large, we have like big. Medium, thin, and then wearing thin. <laughs> <laughs> it's all I want. 
That should be the swear jar. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's like 20 quid. <laughs> oh, well, you can't hear that going I in. I think so. he'll look forward to the Wembley game, by the way, against Barnsley. Oh, yeah, because it's at loan there, on loan there, wasn't it, last season? Yeah. And it's that ex-player's curse that happens to every club, so Barnes, it's Barnsley's turn, they're going to get it. Wouldn't be a bad time for him to get his first goal, because he's been inches away yeah. on a couple of occasions. It needs to hit him See, I even thought he'd scored because he's been that close a few times. I'm, I can't even Otherwise, he's going to get a bit, yeah. of the, bit of the hoobans about him. Yeah. That's my worry. It's great, great in the build up, but not a, a bit lot of the hoobans. That should definitely <laughs> be afraid. <laughs> oh, he's got the hoobans. Oh, not another one. Um, what else has happened? New MD and board member. Um, good things? Yeah, I think they're both on the non-football side. Um, there's been a lot of debate about uh, Greg. Um, I ne personally know Greg from uh, from football and also from his previous job. Um, he, he was very good at his job. He worked very hard. Um, and I think there's some worry that he doesn't have a football background, but he's not come in to do that side of it. So he's come in to oversee all the different departments so um, well he's passionate about the club as well yeah and that's really that is important I don't think you can understate somebody having the club's best interests at heart running the commercial side of the club is useful to have um, as as we are not connected to the club uh, one thing that I saw asked a lot about was his hair yeah that's shocking uh, we should probably put a few complaints in about that but yeah he's, uh, he's got his hair cut now oh okay. certainly when he Does came he was going to. When he came in, there was a lot of attention on that, and uh, what were our thoughts? Well, yeah, I, well, I, I checked the comments on Facebook and on Twitter, thinking, I wonder if people think it's a good thing. And it was just it was just person after person going, that's got to be a piece. Don't yeah, think it is, especially not if he's got it cut. No, I think you know. I think Gray's got worse things to worry about than people moaning about his hair. I think he's got quite a big, big job to do when he comes in, but. I think we're all sat in now as the yellow army and Greg's been, you know, a formidable force within the yellow army over the last 18 months. You know, he's been helping with the website. He's very much keen on the ideas to bring the club and the fans closer together. Uh, you know, all the stuff we do in terms of atmosphere and in terms of building stuff, you know, he's he's at the forefront of. So to have that one of those people, one of us basically, on the board, Rocks United is great. And certainly at any time we'll be able to go to him and say, look, we would like to do this or the club should be doing this or whatever. And he will listen because he is a fan. Uh, he's also very, very experienced, you know, in, in what he does as a job, you know, when he's been working at Dragon and we work in the you know, Daily Mirror and things like that, you know, he's fantastic at what he does. Uh, and he'll bring a lot to the club and I'm very, very excited that we've got someone who genuinely cares about the fans, who understands the fans uh, and who will listen. And yeah, I think we're going to see a very exciting couple of years coming up. Good. You've thought about this, haven't you, Joe? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I have. Um, um, I, care about it, yeah. I think that, that covers everyone, really. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, a, a few more things have been talked about recently. The fourth stand. 
I think there are pros and cons with it. Uh, you've got the fact that it stops the wind uh, and it keeps the atmosphere in. But if we're only selling 6,000 tickets regardless... We'd have to change the name of the podcast. Oh, that's true. Yeah. The, the they can't stand there. Yeah. 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 So that's not going to happen. There's going to be no yeah. no full stands. Done. Conversation uh, over. Do, you know, <laughs> end of. Do we need it, though? That's, that's the point. But also, not yet. we kind of... It's up to us to uh, it's up to us to basically to, to make the full stand you know viable to, to make as get as many people there as possible and you know we've got we've got the club that's taking thirty two thousand to Wembley you know it's perfectly possible that we can be getting eight nine ten thousand every single week if we're in a higher league potentially so why not we should aim for it but we don't want development to happen and then affect how much we can expand in the future yes exactly we only did owners around we don't want yeah. the corners taken we don't want yeah, things like that, and we don't want to lose any parking. No, of course not. Um, That's up to Daryl and people, you know, in the board of our club to kind of work on them things. And it's, you know, because Sam Stadium, he can, he can do what he wants at the end of the day. Uh, and, but hopefully, you know, we'll all be able to work together and, you know, better, so we can benefit everyone. Well, I'm guessing everyone saw that from page of the Oxford Mail, but is it let me build a full stand that was the headline or something but there's clearly some I'm starting to just get bored of it there's clearly yeah, yeah. some massive political well, game going on isn't there between several parties it seems like he's just trying to force Eel's hand to me yeah. well I think he wants to build I, I, the real money maker is, is, built, is putting yeah, flats in it and in housing and he's using the full stand as a kind of a, a Trojan horse you know he puts a, puts a big headline out full stand all this but actually the real the real aim is housing that's 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 you know he's a developer he's not a, he's not a that's, that's his job really isn't yeah. it? to me it wasn't exciting news listening to it it was almost like the premier league coming in and saying we've got an exciting news we're going to put bt into to johnston's paint trophy yeah. that's not exciting news it may be to you but it doesn't help us at all exactly and also given given the job they did when building the, the stadium do you really trust for no, Oka to, to do a good job on it. First. Yeah, exactly. Crawley, Luton, Newport, Hartlepool, Carlisle. Um, what I've got on the agenda, Kath sent over earlier, and she's put 11, which yeah, she predicted for the last time. Well, no, you predicted 11 last time, so let's predict 15 for this one, and we'll get 12, <laughs> we're all happy. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I wasn't. I thought if we got the win at Cambridge, I, it would have been ten, and I wouldn't have been that far off. So I'm wondering about. Um, what did I think? Uh, I've lost it again. But I did have a look, and I thought Luton's the one. I've got to stand as a draw for Luton. Carlisle after yesterday with with Rangers. You know what? We're going to win them all. It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Joe. No, we don't. No, 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 no. Yeah, no. Because the only thing that's worth mentioning is we have a far superior goal difference. We've been, yeah, it's an extra point. We've yeah. been oh, second, that. <laughs> been second best all season. I don't see why in the last few games. Also, when they drop, I think there'll be a number of teams around the season drop points. Hopefully, but certainly we've been second best all season. Whenever when you ask anyone who's the best team we've seen in the league through the season, people say Oxford. You know, let's not let's not get Flimmer's too down on ourselves. Is a lot than yeah, let's not get too down on ourselves. We're very very good. Actually, you look at it. Bristol's is actually getting harder all the time because they've got Yeovil as well, and they're not easy. Yeah. They're in really good form. And of course, Everton could hopefully go as a favourite. Well, let's not be defeatist. Let's be realistic. We've been a bloody good team this year, and I'm not going to panic for that. And you definitely <laughs> definitely didn't talk about suicidal thoughts. <laughs> no, we are. At, we're going to be fine. And do you know what? Everyone's just got to get behind the team. 
We've got some massive, massive games coming up, and I think we'll be fine. So let's just keep what going. What games are going to happen then? Huh? What games are going to happen? Carlisle away. It will be Carlisle. It will be Carlisle. If it is Carlisle, who's going? Everyone. All of us. I have a Sophie's choice of, I mentioned on Twitter, my oldest best friend is getting married in Brighton on the day of Carlisle away. As I, as I tweeted, she'll get married again. Like, this <laughs> this will I'm, happen, man. I'm genuinely considering being <laughs> ill for that day <laughs> and ending up just remembering not to put any pictures of me at Carlisle on Facebook. Well done for broadcasting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she won't listen to the podcast, it's fine. She lives in Brighton. Uh, so, before we finish this podcast, the, the thing that um, has briefly been touched upon is uh, we have James Constable and Jeremy Charles. Um, here. Jeremy Charles isn't here yet, but we're just about to reconfigure mics and we're going to put together a Wembley special podcast, which will be elsewhere on Twitter. Uh, do keep an eye out for it. Our Twitter name is... Uh, at the Fence End Pod. I couldn't remember if I had that in, but it does. Um, so do, do follow us if you don't already and do look out for it. And thanks for listening to this one. We'll uh, we'll be in contact shortly. Sounds a lot like an alien takeover, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Goodbye. Bye.